How many of you uh, say prayers like, Dear Buddha, would you please uh, help provide for me that new car? O God of creation and nature, O Mother Nature, I'm stretching it, but consider the words of those songs to apply to your life. We don't pray in any other name than the one who is the true God, the one who is the only God who has the power to be able to answer our prayers and provide for his people. What a beautiful name it is. What a powerful name it is. Jesus. Mom, where's my notebook? Mom, where's that jacket of mine you washed? Hey, Dad, where are the keys? Now, if I need to, I'll bring it into your context. You know, hey, honey, where's that cake that I put in the refrigerator? The reality is we all have had those kind of conversations, whether it was us directing them towards our parents when we were young, uh, whether it you know, was our own children or grandchildren coming to us and, you know, where is it? And then in the conversation that follows, we end up you know, having them you know, tell us it was right there before our eyes. You know, whether it was something we were looking for or something they observed and understood, but we don't see it, and then they end up saying this to us. If it was a snake, it would have bit you. And I know there were a number of times that I heard that from my parents growing up, and I've probably heard it from a few others as well. Well, to some extent... I think that's a bit of what's going on today in our gospel reading. We have here Jesus coming to that wedding at Cana. His family was obviously invited. Mary's there. He's there. We don't really know who else is there, but obviously it's a big event and a big deal. So here at the beginning of his ministry, the one who is the Lord of heaven and earth, the one who is the God of all creation, the one who is the Savior, God incarnate, the one who is the promised Messiah who came to redeem and save his people, here he is, and they don't see him. He's right there before their eyes, but somehow they don't really see him. If there's something else in this text that I want you to observe today, did you notice how Jesus addressed his mother? Not really sweet, was it? Listen again. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. And by the way, the word dear isn't there. If I had said woman to my mother, <laughs> I can only imagine. I think I'd be with Jesus. <laughs> and that doesn't just as a, a little boy 
that was as a, an adult man as well. What's interesting here is this. In truth, this form of address wasn't really disrespectful, but it certainly was not endearing between Jesus and his mother, as you and I might have expected here. But what's happening here is Jesus doesn't seem to be concerned or even plan to respond to the need that's right there before their eyes. Jesus' answer to Mary reveals that which we must pay attention to, that his priorities are different. His purpose is different. So how many of you know who Ron Pompeil is? Actually, every one of you, I bet. You ready? He's the owner of the company called Ronco. The pocket fisherman? Oh, come on, guys. How many got one of those? There, I got an honest hand in the back there. Two of them now. All right, don't worry, it's not an auction. I won't keep going. How about Mr. Microphone? How about the Vegematic? All right, now here's the one that, though, has carried on in a multitude of forms, the rotisserie oven. Yeah. But maybe even more so than the product, we had that infomercial. And remember, they used to be long. And then in order to get more people, they would pay for a 60-second commercial. And, and this is what we would get, you know, that the idea is set it and forget it. No mess, no fuss, just set it and forget it. I'm going to come back to that. In this text, Mary reminds you and me to do the same. Mary laid her request before Jesus, and that was it. She didn't keep whining at him for more wine. You know, she, she didn't keep coming to him. She didn't even tell him exactly how to do whatever it would be that he might do. She just laid the request before him. Although his reply sounds a bit harsh, Mary isn't dismayed. Mary had confidence in Jesus. She knew that he would take care of the situation and the need. Mary knew that this situation would be saved not because she had asked or something about her being his mother, but because he was gracious. Mary knew that when we commit our troubles to Jesus, we can know that he will take care of them. We, my friends, can commit it and forget it. Well, despite Jesus' rather cold response to Mary, she had faith in her son. She went to the servants and she tells them, do whatever Jesus says. And even though Jesus seemingly blew her off, and I think that's an accurate way to describe the interaction that happened there, she knew that he would answer. She committed that situation to him. And Mary's faith was then confirmed when he not only took care of the situation, but he did it boldly. He did what? Filled six jars with water, he had the servants do, with 180 gallons of water, and he turned it into wine. 
And did you notice what kind of wine it was? This wasn't the cheap Walmart oak leaf wine, all right? This was the best wine, they said. Jesus boldly took care of the need. He gave that couple an amazing gift of great value. Well, I wonder, as we sit here this morning, how many of you have felt like Mary at the beginning of her request? You cry out to the Lord. You pray to Him. You give Him your need. You give Him your concern. You give Him your problem. And it feels as though He's not answering. He's not hearing you. It's like your prayers get stuck at the ceiling. It's like, where is this going? You've been there, haven't you? I've been there. It's a common problem or feeling. In Psalm 6, David talks about how in his great anguish he is flooding his bed with tears. And he goes on to say this, But you, O Lord, how long? How long do I have to keep crying? How long do I have to keep praying? When are you going to finally hear an answer is almost what he's saying here. He's not alone. How about the disciples? How about the time they're in the boat with Jesus and the storm comes on them and there's Jesus in the front of the boat sleeping. And they cry out, Lord, don't you care if we drown? Or how about Paul that I made reference to as we gathered this morning? That thorn in his side, we, we don't know exactly what it was, but he was carrying some kind of suffering, some kind of struggle, and he prayed to the Lord three times specifically to take it away that we know of, and he refused. Indeed, there are times when we feel like Mary. We've made our request to God, but it seems as though we've been rebuffed. The reality is, is that God hears our prayers and he answers them. We can commit our prayers, our requests to Jesus, knowing that he will take care of them. David knew that. Matter of fact, just three verses later, verse 9, listen to what he says. The Lord has heard my plea. The Lord accepts my prayer. Now at that point, there was no indication that the circumstances of David had changed whatsoever. But he was assured that God heard and would answer. And when we pray, the answer may not be what we hoped for, may not be what we wanted or expected, but he will answer. Look at Mary. Do you think she expected Jesus to create wine out of water? Actually, no. I don't. I, I think to some extent she thought, you know, maybe he would go down to the store and say, here, Mom, I got the wine you asked for. <laughs> How about those disciples in the boat? You think they expected God to, Jesus, to calm the sea? Personally, I don't think so. 
I think what they expected was that he would awaken, he would comfort them, and he would at least get them to the shore safely. But to command the wind and the waves to be still. I don't think they were expecting that. And Paul, having cried out for that relief, and he gets this answer in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. His thorn was not taken away, but that answer allowed him to rejoice in his suffering and go forward. My dear friends, we can commit our situations, our concerns, our trials, our needs to Jesus, knowing that he will answer them. How do we know? Because of his hour. His hour. His hour was not at the wedding. His hour was his suffering and his death and his cross. In John chapter 12, when the Greeks come to meet Jesus, listen to what he says. The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And from there, he went to the cross for you and for me. The cross of Jesus is his promise and his guarantee that he will hear and he will answer our prayers. He has carried and borne our sin and our punishment. He died in our place. He rose again for us. He has made us his own. He did all of that even though not one of us deserve it. Not one of us. Do you think he would leave us now? After all that he's already done for us? I don't. And Mavak neither did Paul when he wrote this in Romans chapter 8. He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Christ is the promise and the guarantee that God will hear and answer our prayers. In the adventures of Tom Sawyer, Tom Sawyer and Huckleberry Finn witness a murder. And they make a vow to each other. They swear to never tell another soul of what they see. And in the end, they each prick their thumbs, they squeeze out a drop of blood, and they become blood brothers, committing to what they swore. They mark their promise with blood. Our God made many promises. He promises to hear our prayers and answer them. And we can be confident in his promise because he sealed it with the blood of his son. We are Christ's brothers and sisters, blood brothers and sisters, because he guarantees his promise in his own blood. 
Jesus, he worked many signs and many wonders, but this is the reason that we can trust him, because he went all the way. Some of you know that I like to cook, but sometimes I know that uh, maybe the schedule before me might not allow me to get home and make the dinner that I want so our family can sit down together. So my favorite appliance, other than the grill and the stove, is a slow cooker. I love the fact that in the morning I can, you know, grab the vegetables out and throw in that, you know, pot roast and set it. And forget it. And when we come home, the house is filled with the aroma of that wonderful meal that we'll be able to sit down and enjoy together. Set it and forget it at the throne of God's grace. Jesus calls us to do this. We have many cares, many worries in our lives. Most of them, truthfully, they're beyond our control. So what are we doing holding on to them rather than truly giving to them and letting go of them? Mary, in our reading, she was worried about this family, but she knew there was nothing she could do. She committed the situation to Jesus. And even though his answer seemed harsh, she had confidence in the grace of her Lord. My dear friends, commit your cares, commit your worries, commit your needs to the Lord and know that he will take care of them. He gave you this life. He rose from the dead for you. He has baptized you in his name. You are his. He will take care of you. He is the one who has the power, as we sang. He is the one who answers our prayers right before our eyes. Amen.